Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings in the name of the Lord and welcome to Warren Radio. This is Tower. I'm here with the Watchman and we are glad you joined us. Please send all your prayer requests and correspondence to us through our contact page at warn-usa.com. You can listen to our Warn Radio episodes on warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. Warn Radio is now on the following platforms. Amazon Prime Music in Podcast, Spreaker, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcast, Deezer, Spotify, Anchor, and Podcast. Don't miss these posts on warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. The sons of God trust in Him, our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, to the glory of our Father and great God. We have notable examples of trusting God for refuge, protection, and promise. Bowing to Baal Uncleanness Bowing the knee to Baal or allow or owing allegiance to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is a choice any person must make. Laughing or ignoring this is dangerous to your soul. Servant Disciple He is not above his master. Servant Disciple One of the, mo- co- one of the common themes in a- the Gospel End of Days scenario is trouble worldwide. Matthew chapter 24 warns we are not to be deceived. And don't miss these posts. They are the latest on warn-usa.com. Prophetic Global Appeal Assimilation. Classic at Warren Radio. Prophetic global upheaval can be seen and felt here in America as division sweeps the nation. Amid bitterness and hate, the trust level is at zero. Ascendancy of the vilest men shall not prevail forever. This ascendancy of the vile and corrupt bring with it a connotation in the Hebrew of trembling terror. House Divided, Fighting God, The Kingdom War, Part 3 on Sound the Shofar. House Divided describes the Kingdom War. This week, in Part 3, we visit the Apostle Paul as he is brought before the Council. In addition, this is our Lord who tells those watching that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And be sure to get your copy of The Rising. The Rising is a Christian fiction thriller by the watchman Dana Glenn Smith. Everything was okay, or so they thought. A truth so unbelievable, it took a miracle to fight back. Don't miss The Rising. The Rising continues the story of Mac, a former black ops sniper, and details the takeover of America. Hidden within the storyline of the rising is the truth of what's happening in America now. You can get your copy of the rising on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Ingram, Walmart, Angus and Robertson, and the e the rising ebook can be found on Google Play. You can also get your copy of The Rising by going to danaglinsmith.com. And while on the site, be sure to sign up for the WIBR Warren Radio Newsletter and visit our Christian Books and Resource Shop. And now I welcome in the Watchman.
You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, you know, in spite of the election, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's... Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. And uh, we're definitely into spring here. I hope it is where you are at. And uh, we're doing good. Just cruising along. And last night we had a blizzard. We got about four inches, wouldn't you say, Dana? Now you can't even tell we had any. Yeah. Yeah, the sun came out. That was it. We are getting ready for our garden and planting and a number of other things. Quite a lot of years ago, I was I wrote an article and was doing stuff on gardening in the apocalypse. And I had seen some of that uh, graphics I made so long ago, and and you know, and, and now we're we're more into the apocalypse today than we were back then. Yeah. But gardening in the apocalypse is about being prepared. And instead of keeping your eyes on the apocalypse and all the trouble, you go about gardening and doing the things you like to do and just, you know, relate to it that way. Because, you know, there's a lot of things like even today that uh, people may not like about this or that. And... uh, keep your eyes on the Lord and function in your life and your family with him as the sinner and just you know focus on other things trust the Lord be informed about some of the things but don't over focus and the one thing that I do now is and, and I've done tons of social media I mean over over our 25 years and I started cutting back on some of that some time ago. And now uh, I, I limit, try to limit how much I'm even on the social sites. And the main reason for that is there's just so much filth and junk on it. So wherever you're at, I hope you're doing fine. And, you know, look to the Lord. So... At any rate, Tower, we are moving quite along because you need to stop her. My dog's having issues. Do you have to do that now? Go over there and lay down. I, my dog don't go anywhere without me, or I should say, I don't go anywhere without her. She's getting up in age. Okay, Declaring His Generation, Isaiah's Prophetic Book, Part 166, on Warren Radio Battle Lines. Declaring His Generation is this week's catchphrase of the suffering, enduring, and redeeming effects of the Lord Jesus. Yeshua, as he went through the death on the cross, then the resurrection and the triumphant work which sets all those free who believe on his name and work. Isaiah brings the entire story to light in this glorious section found in Isaiah chapter 53. Today, as our world and our own nation called America face the end of days, prophecy is coming to life faster than ever. We sit on the precipice of the fulfillment of all things that our Lord told us. And now back to you. I'll see you on the other side. Okay. One thing about it, when we go through this, you know, the source, you know, for all of this is, of course, in Isaiah. But when we go through it, you're going to find the Gospels. 
and you will understand that the apostles took things out of the prophets that was prophesied about the Messiah, Yahshua. And uh, this section we're in now is, many people recognize this as one of the greatest sections in Isaiah concerning the gospel. But uh, having done Isaiah for as long as we have, uh, I've, I've learned a lot about Isaiah and about the ministry, and uh, it, it's really a good book. There's a lot of things you can learn with it. And uh, so at any rate, we uh, left out off uh, at verse 6, and you're going to recognize this one. Now see, in 1 Peter 2.25, it says, For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now, in Isaiah 53.6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Albert Brooks, or Albert Barnes rather, excuse me, he says of this that this is the penitent, penitent confession for those for whom he suffered. In other words, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And this says that they were going astray from God. And the reason why the Redeemer suffered was that the race had wandered away and that Yahweh had laid on him the iniquity of us all. When we get to the new covenant and the application of this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, all men, all people. And so, right in the middle, you know, in, in, in this section, we're continuing to find the gospel. We're continuing to find why the Messiah had to suffer on the cross. And I think that's important because, you know, at any time he could have called down legions of angels and been rescued. But he chose not to do that. Because our redemption came through his death on the cross. And if he had to done that, we wouldn't have hope today. You wouldn't have the church today. You wouldn't have everything that you have. So that's where we left off. And in verse 7 is where we're picking up. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Now having had two grandfathers... One having a cattle ranch, the other was, was a farmer. He raised crops and sheep and cattle. And I was there when we had to slaughter various animals. I was there when we had to shear. And I was the one in the great big bag where they threw all the wool on top that I had to grab and stomp it down. And so there's a lot of work in all of that. But it, it's amazing to me that they use sheep because when you are shearing, you know, these sheep don't go anywhere. They stay right there and, and they're quiet. They don't do anything. And even when you in the slaughterhouse you know they they don't go anywhere 
you know, and they get slaughtered quietly. Now, I know you may not want to hear it, but I'm telling you that for a reason. Yahshua was oppressed. He was physically afflicted. And we have scriptures that says that he didn't open his mouth. He didn't answer anybody when they talked to him. And he was brought as that lamb. Now see, we know of him as the Passover lamb during Passover. And when he went to the cross, he he fulfilled that function of the Passover lamb, which is a sacrifice, and had to be spotless. For Yahshua, Jesus, was spotless. He was free of sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, and it was because of his blood. It couldn't have been anybody else's. He had to be a perfect sacrifice. And so that was all what God needed, uh, you know, it, as far as the covenant and as far as God creating this and allowing this sacrifice because it had to be perfect and Yahshua was perfect and he was oppressed, afflicted, he opened not his mouth and as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before shears is dumb. Now we take this and we We've looked at this verse in Isaiah, and there's a whole bunch of them. And then we look back over here, and we see, like in John 19, 9. And, of course, we, um, we look at uh, the authorities in the judgment hall. And... Uh, and it says, verse 9, and went again into the judgment hall. He had went out again. And uh, he continued uh, several times. He had said that he didn't find any fault with the Lord. No fault. And that's important, too, prophetically in this. And he went into that judgment hall where the Lord was and said unto him whence art thou or where did you come from and you have to follow what the what the Jews were saying <coughs> out in the crowd he made himself to be the son of God and they didn't want him alive And you know, the thing of it is, is that many of these Jews, including the ones in the temple, I mean, alive at that time, that were trying to put him to death, they knew of these prophecies. But they didn't accept him. And there is a judgment regarding that as well. And then when we go into Matthew 27, 11 through 14, see, it, it, first of all, in John 9, let me make the point. He said to him, whence art thou, or where did you come from? Because they were saying he's the son of God. But Jesus, Yahshua, gave him no answer. He, he didn't say anything. Well, if you want to live, you're going to say something. Now, the thing about Christ, he was the resurrection and the life. He knew what he had to do. And he had to be born a man. So when he went through this, it's not like the God power came in and he didn't feel anything. He felt the affliction. He felt the crucifixion. He had pain. But he was also had that truth about him that he was the sinless son of God. So in Matthew 11 it says that Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Now this is during the accusation. Now he didn't answer before in John 19.9 
because uh, there there were some things that they were saying, and of course, Pilate wanted to know more. See, and this is where, at the important time, you should be answering. But the prophecy says he's not going to say nothing. But yet there are times that he does say stuff. And then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And see, you would think he would say, Yes, I've seen it and they're liars or something. But he didn't. He's... And he answered him to never a word insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. He didn't say anything. Now see, these things are backing up the very prophecies in Isaiah 53, 7. As the sheep before shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And it, it doesn't mean the sheep isn't smart when they say dumb. It just means... The sheep, if you've ever, if you've ever done, I mean, in my experience, when you go through the shearing, they they don't say nothing. They, you know, they don't utter anything. And so, and this is how they compared him. And of course, it was an agricultural society back then, and people would understand that. And of course, you would marvel. You know, he's standing there. And his life is at stake, and he doesn't say nothing? Now, see, in America, we're so crooked, we'd be happy. You know, just let him sit there and rot. We don't want to hear from him anyway, you know. I mean, especially after we've seen all these people go after Trump all the time. You know, these people don't seem to care about justice. And some of the ones that went after Trump are the very ones <laughs> that lied about him. And, and we know these that were on the committee to find him guilty, which they did. They lied. They openly lied and admitted it. But nothing ever was done to them. So this is what you find in, in society today. But see, Christ died even for the liars. He died for the wicked. Now, the problem with many of them, they won't repent. But Christ has come so that you may live. Acts 8, 32-33 The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? for his life is taken from earth. Again, we're, we're looking back at he opened not his mouth. And it says there a little phrase that's interesting. Who shall declare his generation? Well, in the time of the apostles, when the Lord died, three days later he rose from the dead and he made himself present and, and you know in full view of the apostles over a course of time he didn't show himself to his enemies only to those who believed in him and you know they were followers and it says who shall declare his generation those who are his followers he was cut off and he's not going to be able to finish declaring to the generation who he is. So it fell upon the apostles, and they in turn taught the early church. And this is how the gospel spread and why it spread, because they had the mantle of declaring the generation of the Lord. And today, every generation that is born, they have the responsibility, you know, is, you know, when they become a believer and a follower to declare the generation of Jesus Christ, Yahshua. Because the word also says in Revelation, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of his testimony, 
and they love not their lives unto the death. So they're born again through the blood of Jesus because of the cross. And they love not their lives unto the death. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. And the word of the testimony is what the Lord did for you. And you can give them scripture. You can testify. But see, this is the, this is the whole thing. You know, the crucifixion, your testimony. You know, he said, whosoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my father and his angels. Whoever denies me before men, I'll deny him before the fathers and his angels. Whoever loses their life for my sake in the gospel shall find it. Whoever shall find his life shall lose it. These are the things that we see when we talk about this. And this has to do with what Christianity really is, what faith really is. It's not just sitting in church, you know, whenever you decide to go and the cost that you're paying, you know, I mean, you're, you're a Christian and uh, you go one hour and you call that discipleship. Well, you know, it's okay to go one hour and it's okay to go to these churches, but you got to understand around the world, people are giving their lives just because they're a Christian. And that's in China and North Korea. One of the biggest places they're getting killed at is in Nigeria. Another place uh, is in Pakistan and India. I mean, we could go on and on. We cover this every week in our advocacy broadcast. So all of this stuff relates to who we are as believers. And then in 1 Peter 22 through 25, we're sheep going astray. And speaking of the Lord, it says, who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You know, we're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the resurrection and the life. He was with the Father in the beginning and had full glory. And when they were treating him so bad, he didn't threaten him. He didn't say, listen. I am the son of God, and when I get back on that throne, I am going to judge you severely, and I'm going to kill you. He didn't say that. He didn't revile. He didn't retaliate. He committed himself to the Father because he came to do the Father's will. In 24, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Now see, when you're on that, when he was on that cross and when he died on that cross, he bore our sins <coughs> on that cross. And when you receive the Lord and believe on him, the Father recognizes that faith and he imputes it unto you for righteousness sake. And you're the sons and daughters of God. Now the first one to have believed God was Abraham. So we were even close to Abraham who believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness sake. And by whose stripes you were healed. Now see there's healing. That's, this is the atoning sacrifice. This is the atonement. And this is the redemption. It's mentioned in Isaiah. It's mentioned throughout um, the New Testament. This is the gospel. And you can find it. And this is when we talk about you know, the Bible being one and being unified. We see... In one place, what the prophets are saying, and we see what the apostles, what their confession is. We see them interpreting one another and fulfilling it. See, and this is, this is why you can go to the Lord and believe in divine healing. This is why you can go to the Lord and understand and believe that your sins are forgiven. You see? And that's why, you know, if, if you do sin, the Father will forgive you. Read 1 John 1. And 
And in Isaiah 53, 8 now, he's taken from prison and from judgment. And of course, they had to go get him. And they had to have a place to put him while he was waiting to go to the cross. <laughs> so, you know, it's really hard for me to see the Son of God, our Savior and the Messiah. In, in Revelation, he calls himself the Almighty. It's hard for me to see the Almighty in prison. And a bunch of hypocrites standing there looking at him, mocking him. And in Isaiah 53, 8, that's where it also says, Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. See, he was stricken for the people because of their sins. And he was cut off out of the land of the living for that reason. He died on the cross. And his ministry and everything he did, it ended. It ended with him ascending up to heaven. And he, and he was at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for the saints. Waiting for the time when he, he could return and he would restore the kingdom and he would overthrow all the enemies of God in his return. So he was taken from prison in judgment. And so we look at that as distress and judgment. Who shall declare his generation? And we've already talked about that. Those who believed in him. And he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. That, that was the whole, that's the atonement. The atonement for your sins. The atonement for my sins. And also with that is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the healing of the body. For by his stripes we are healed. You're not only healed of your sins, but you're healed physically. The physical healing is included. And you can go back to James and read, uh, uh, read about that. For James puts it down there. Um, and it talks about, you know, praying for the sick. And if, and if the person you're praying for is healed, then his sins have been forgiven. You can read that in James. I think it's in the fifth chapter. It's in there. So in in First Peter three eighteen now, and you can see where we're going. You know, following this, we're following this prophecy. Every every, every sentence that the prophet gives, we find the interpretation, the companion to that in the New Testament. That's why Jesus, Yahshua, said, I come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He didn't come to destroy the old covenant. He came to fulfill it. God had always intended to redeem man. He always intended to redeem the Gentiles. Always intended to, to redeem the Jews and bring them forward. You know, the house of uh, you know, all 12 houses, you know, the 12 tribes. Now, let's see. For Christ also hath suffered once, hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now, in Isaiah 53, 8, he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. And that's why in 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And, and Peter explains that a little bit more. But the prophecy came out of Isaiah. And these are the things that had to be fulfilled. I mean, these are the things that was said 
that the Messiah would go through. Uh, Romans 1, 3 through 6, Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And you can follow the seed of David up as well. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of, of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was resurrected from the dead. And of, of course, the devil wants to deny that. And uh, unbelievers want to de deny that. And the enemies of the Lord want to deny that. But I got news for you. He's coming back. And uh, it's not like he didn't go any, like he went somewhere. Because uh, he's still ministering and, and doing things today concerning the work that he has. I mean, he's not sitting up on a cloud somewhere with a harp just waiting for the rest of us to die so he can be our leader. He is our leader right now. He is our king right now. He is in charge. He's over all things the Father has appointed him. And this is what we have to understand. That's why when you get in America or any other nation, you know, uh, what you think of the Lord and what you believe is very important. If you just believe he's a, a good teacher, you've missed the point. That isn't saving knowledge. You have to believe he's the only begotten son of God. You have to believe in exactly the work and the person and the fulfillment of the Christ of God and what he has done. Verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of Holiness. That follows up the other one. Um, and by the resurrection from the dead. And you notice, we talk about the resurrection from the dead. No, he didn't fall asleep and wake up three days later. He was dead. And he just wasn't around in his body. His spirit was gone from his body and he was taken care of. There's scripture says he led captivity captive. There's a lot of things to this that you can actually get into. By whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now this is the uh, Peter talking. For obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And that's why, you know, Peter's an apostle for his name. Now Peter knows a little bit about weakness because, you know, he denied him. But one of the last things Jesus talked to him when they were they were out fishing in their boat and the Lord came to him and said, have you caught any fish? And they said, no. He says, throw it on this one side and you will have them. Meanwhile, he had fish already prepared over there and, and he said, bring your catch. And he talked to him. One thing he did there, he kept asking Peter, lovest thou me? And this grieved Peter in the end. But see, Peter denied uh, the Lord three times. And his confession was three times that he said, I love you, Lord, and I will follow you. Um, and so Peter, you know, in the law, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. And when he denied, it happened three times, thrice. And so those are three witnesses that he denied the Lord. And so the offshoot of that, um, the Lord asked him three times. And he said, you know, I love you. And, and he continued to say that. And, and he would, you know, and that took care of the other part. There's three times he said that he loved the Lord and, you know, he was going to do what, what the Lord wanted. And so these are important confessions. So the, the big thing for you is in your life, you know, you can fall into unbelief. You, you can have trouble, troubles and issues, but you can also come to the Lord and find help in time of need. The, these are the important things. God isn't up there with a big ass axe ready to cut your head off uh, the minute you make one little mistake. I mean, it's just like, you know, all these prosecutor especially this recent one over in new york who tried to get trump on something 
and then more evidence came out so now they stopped everything i don't know what they're doing but we have seen this over and over for years and i've seen endless people say when are they going to stop you know harassing this guy because they hate him so much all the time when 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 something don't work they find something else they just absolutely hate him and they will not forgive him and you know what that does that'll send you to hell that's what that'll do and they say well i'm a catholic well that is not going to override what you're doing now in acts 8 32 to 33 like a lamb dumb before his shearer so he opened not his mouth see these are more scriptures to confirm what we're reading right now the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb dumb before a shearer. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? <clears throat> and of course, that's something that we find in Isaiah. Uh, Matthew 26, 63-68, a few verses He's guilty of death. Um, but Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now you see, the, hypo the hypocrisy here was Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and the only thing they could do is worry about how they're going to keep the people from following this guy because nobody, they hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead any, any time in the last several generations. Uh, this high priest had never seen that. Now all of a sudden some guy comes along and says that he's the son of God. And uh, they don't want to believe it. They're ready to stone him. And so he says, tell us. Well, they wouldn't believe it. You know, there were people there all the time from the temple and from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the lawyers. They were always trying to trap him. I mean, you know, what does it take for you to believe? Well, for them, they didn't care because they weren't going to believe. Now, they said this, it's recorded, but they didn't mean it. They knew very well what he had done. They wanted him to say it, and of course... They used that very thing at his trial when they said uh, that, you know, he was going to have a new kingdom. And, you know, he was. And <laughs> no matter what he did, they used against him. So the tactics they use on Trump, they probably got, you know, it's innate. It comes from the sin of man and, and the pride of man. And... You know, I bring this up because you want to know what's the matter with America. It's sin. And it's those that rule that have sin. It's those that rule that have plots and plot to do evil. And it's these very same people that are going to lead the world into the final order before Christ comes and he's going to destroy those who have destroyed the earth. Now that's the Son of God. That is the Almighty in Revelation. And he's the one that knows righteousness and unrighteousness. And this is the one that died for your sins. He is the Almighty in that Revelation 1. And the Almighty stepped down. And what did he do? He died for your sins. The least you could do is be grateful and follow him. And pray to him. Because he wants to listen. He loves you. He died for you. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. I love this answer. You see, because he said, I adjure thee by the living God that you tell us whether you be the Christ, the Son of God. And he says, Well, you've said, you know, you've said it. What, what you just said, that's right. You've said it. Nevertheless, you're going to see me, the Son of Man, the one that you're denying right now, the one that's standing before you right now, the one that's going to go to the cross, the one that's going to die and you think you're rid of me, and the one that is resurrected the third day and comes back, and I don't appear to you because you're an enemy, but I appear to my followers and those who love me. Yeah, 
You're going to see me on the right hand. The next time you see me, I'll be on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. I love that answer. What did the high priest... Now this is the guy that represents the holiness and the godliness and the righteousness of the old covenant. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying... He has spoke blasphemy, blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What thank ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Of course, they're all together. What wouldn't they say? He's the high priest. They're not going to deny the high priest. The high priest is supposed to know. But one thing Christ told us, and he tells us in Matthew 24, he tells us in Luke 21 and Mark 13, he mentions it in in John. And these things are important. Do not be deceived. The high priest was deceived and spoiled, uh, you know, absolutely not listening. And so all the others agreed with him. So they're all blinded. You know, the blind lead the blind, and they all fall in the ditch. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? See, and this is mockery. And see, there, you know, I don't know if you can grasp this. Have you ever been eternal? Have you ever been perfect? Have you ever ruled over all the angels in the kingdom that the Father has given you? Have you lived forever up till the time that you decided that you would go and be born of a woman and become the savior of mankind? You can't know, possibly know, that feeling. But you can know the feeling of having this very same person as the Almighty, the Savior, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Almighty in Revelation 1, you can know the feeling of being redeemed and knowing Him today. See, that's the difference. I can find people by the dozens that, well, yeah, I think he was a good teacher. Or, you know, he was a good man. Or, you know, something else. But see, you want to get into heaven... The key is, I believe, thou art the Christ, the Son of God, the Almighty. And that's exactly what Mary and Martha found out when Lazarus came back from the dead. They said they would see him again. They knew that, that they would see him again, you know, in the resurrection. But little did they think that after four days he had been stinking that they were going to, they were with the guy that was the resurrection of the life and he was going to raise this, this body that was stinking and everything else and he's going to come out. And he's going to live. And the Jews are so jealous and hate him so much. They were willing and plotting to kill Lazarus. Now you got to be really corrupt to do that. But see, we're no different today. And our society is full of people who are blinded and corrupt. And think they know the truth and they don't know the truth. Society is in darkness. And there's only, the only lights to this world are those who were born again and belong to the Son of Almighty God and and you are speaking on his behalf. You are the light while the world is darkness. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your if your name is not written in that book then you will burn in hell fire. 
But see, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so you would die in that hellfire. He came and died for you so you would be redeemed, so you would live in glory with him, so you would be there in joy. Remember that. There's a lot of people who say, well, you know, and they throw all kinds of things in there to try to get you to disbelieve. Isaiah 53, 9, and here's another one. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because the rich and the wicked all die. That's it. Whether you're rich, your money doesn't save you, and if you're wicked, you're still going to die. The difference between us today is that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, because under the new covenant, because of Christ dying for our sins, we've been justified by our faith because of God's grace. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Second Corinthians 5.21 Made to be sin for us, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what are you today, Christian? You are the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. When you are in Christ, that's your righteousness. Hebrews 4.15, our high priest. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And he's a high priest, not after the Levitical order, which is after man, but after the order of Melchizedek, who has no beginning and end. That's the supernatural high priest of God. Hebrews seven twenty four through 27 unchangeable priesthood. But this man, because he continueth forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. See, if he was a Levite, you know, one of the priests through the Levitical priesthood, he's going to die. But the Son of God, Jesus, Yahshua today, our Savior, will never die. For he holds the keys to death and hell. He is the Almighty. He ain't going to die. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now see, and that's why you don't have to worry about your salvation. He is able to save those that come unto God by him, through Christ. We come unto the Father through Christ. And as a believer, the Lord continues to make intercession for us. For such a high priest became us, who is holy and harmless, undefiled and separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as though high, those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. These are amazing scriptures, especially when you think, that this is all connected to this portion in Isaiah. John nineteen thirty eight through 42 And after this Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, 
and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never man yet laid. And there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. He really died. He's really alive. He was really resurrected. And Isaiah really prophesied this. <laughs> and so, you know, thank God we have books. Thank God we have copies. Thank God there's a spirit of God. Thank God there's a truth out there. Thank God there's redemption and not just hell. Thank God that there's a God who heals and not, not just sends you to a doctor. You see, you got more than just salvation and redemption. You've got everything. Father, we thank you for this word and for the hope we have in Christ. Father, we pray that you would bless this word as it goes out to those who hear it whenever they do. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word in Jesus' name. Okay, Tower. Okay. We got a little bit of time here. You know that it just always amazes me because that he opened not his mouth. You know, he didn't try to defend himself or anything. And we always want to defend ourselves and um, try to make people see our side and whatever, you know. Well, we do. <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't argue nothing. And, and that's just hard for me. Well, it is. It's amazing. Yes, it is. Christ is amazing. And, you know, how close a lot of this is in Isaiah is amazing, too. It is. I thank God for his word and for what he did for us. Yeah. So I appreciate this this portion in Isaiah. I count it a privilege to go through it. I think it's That's great. Right. That's right. And uh, you know, it's 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 the gospel is what it is. Simply the gospel given by a Jewish prophet and the apostles studied the prophets and they found the truth led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And they took that truth confirmed by the Lord and they went out and told the Roman Empire at that time. Amazing. And we're still taking this word and spreading it out to those who will hear. And this is that word which you have heard tonight. That Jesus Christ, Yahshua HaMashiach, the only begotten Son of God, is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of all mankind. He who is coming again and set up his kingdom forever. Amen. This is the Lord, the Almighty in Revelation 1. And if you do not know him truly, you need to find him. Go by our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. You want to say good night? Yes. Good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us whenever we do. Whenever you do, we love you, and we thank you for being here. And we always hope the best for you in Christ Jesus, and we pray for you. And may God richly bless you for all you do for him. Good night, everybody. Until next time, shalom, my friends. Be safe, take care of yourselves, and be found in Christ.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.